Welcome back to the Flat Out RC podcast, the podcast where we talk all things radio control flight. We're talking radio control planes, helis, and drones. My name is Andrew Sill, coming to you as always from the land down under in Melbourne, Australia. Big thank you to everyone for joining me this week with a, another good episode. It's the Christmas special. This is the final episode of the Flat Out RC podcast for the year. And as you know, we'll be taking a break throughout January, but we'll be back in February. Uh, so we've got a special guest. Uh, it's a guest that was very popular this year. His name is Fraser Briggs. He's joining us once again from New Zealand to tell us a few more of his tales of his travels around in aero modeling. So you're up for a laugh. So stay tuned. But before we get to that chat with Fraser, let's have a look at the year in review. What a year it has been, a year that was dominated by the COVID pandemic once again. And here in Victoria, where I live, we got locked down more than any other place in the world. So if you're listening in from somewhere outside of Victoria, outside of the Melbourne metropolitan region, you can't complain as much as we can because we were locked up for most of the year uh, as a result of the COVID pandemic. We started the year pretty free, got flying. Uh, there was even an event on the um, Monty Tyrrell Day, I think was held at Packenham, my local club. Uh, but after that, everything went downhill and we spent most of the time being locked up. We got released in October-ish, November, November, I think it was pretty much early November, I think when we could sort of get out flying. And you know what? Sadly, I haven't been out flying yet. I've been too busy with other things, uh, but this podcast keeps me busy and active in aero modeling. Actually, tomorrow I'm getting my trailer out, double checking everything because Christmas time means I go down to the coast. I go to my other flying club that I'm a member of and I go for a fly. So I will be getting ready. But the year has been a good one. We did plenty of episodes and we had some really, really awesome guests. And what will become a tradition uh, the longer we do this podcast is looking back at our top 10 most listened to podcasts. And so how has the podcast gone? It's, it's gone really well this year. It's actually, I think on average, our listening rate per week has doubled this year. Uh, I, you know what? I think that's the positive of COVID that people started to listen to more podcasts and even things like the Flat Out RC Instagram page has gone really, really well. So things from a, a metrics perspective is okay. Not that I check them all the time. Not Now and again, if I check the numbers, only for just interest, you know, because, you know, if there were five people that listen, I'd probably still do this podcast anyway. So we're not chasing numbers per se because we don't have any sponsors. The industry doesn't want to pay us. So we just keep on doing our own thing. If you do want to sponsor and you're outside the industry, well, you know, yell out. As I just said, the numbers have doubled. Uh, so let's have a look at our top 10 uh, listen podcasts for the year. Starting at number 10 is a gentleman that is involved in the pattern flying scene down here in Victoria, and that is Russell Edwards. Well done, Russell. Taking out number 10 spot. Uh, but... It just shows that we mix things up here at Flat Out RC. It's not always about aerobatics and that kind of thing. We have a, a very eclectic mix, as they would say. Uh, number nine, drumroll please, Peter Goff, all about laser cut kits. We had Peter on talking about um, how laser cut kits are made because he started a business, um, Scale Aero Products, uh, that cuts laser kits. And he, he gave us all a special off this year. So a big thank you to Peter for giving us a 10% discount offer, which is now expired, so we hope you, you made the most of that. But uh, that was a really good chat. Gave us a bit of an insight 
to the behind the scenes. Uh, number eight, ready for it. A gentleman that used to live in Victoria, recently moved to Queensland, Dennis Bealby. Dennis Bealby, the title of the, the episode was From Planes to Hellies because Dennis started out as a, as a plank flyer, but now he's uh, pretty much exclusive to helicopters and quite an accomplished uh, 3D heli pilot as well. Moved up to Queensland, still doing great things. Um, also brings in, I think he's got a little re- retail business on the side selling heli stuff. So good to see. Moving on to seventh place. Seventh place was a guy that has been on the scene for a while, flies a lot of different things, uh, turbines, aerobatic planes, scale planes, you know, we fly anything. Might even fly helis, can't remember. I think he does. Uh, and that is Philip Singh. Philip Singh taking out seventh spot, episode 70 it was. Uh, good job there. And that was a really good chat. I really enjoyed my chat with Philip. Philip and I know each other. We hang around a bit with the flying club when we're down together. So uh, we do get on well and... When, you, when you've got that connection with somebody, your band is a little bit different, a bit more sort of fun. So uh, good to have Philip on. Now, number six is a gentleman that is an Australian but lives in the US. He's been on the podcast before, and we got him back to talk about trimming a plane because he's a guru in how to trim a model plane. That is Peter Goldsmith. Well done, taking out sixth position there by literally one listen. Actually, the gap between seven, six, and five is literally five people listening. It's very, very close up the top here. In number five uh, is a, a guy that is involved in the industry, uh, building electronic components um, that are sold all around the world now out of Australia. Uh, Brendan Joel, thank you for joining me on the podcast because people like listening to you because you're in number five position, you're fifth. So well done. Then number four, this is a guy that we didn't expect would be so popular. Uh, And some people would think that we are related because his surname is very similar to mine. And that is Mark Sills taking up fourth position. That's Sills, S-I-L-L-S, not S-I-L-L like my name. But I do call him uncle and I call his his son Riley cousin. But I'll tell you what, Riley has been on the podcast this year as well. And, you know, he was quite popular, but he did fall outside the top ten uh, but his dad's got bragging rights, you know, that he had more listens. So uh, it was good to have Mark on. He talked talk to us about everything. He's been involved in lots of different types of uh, aeroplane models. Uh, uh, and, you know, interesting, <laughs> the memorable story was how he burnt himself when his trailer caught on fire due to a lipo fire. So uh, we, learnt the, we learnt from Mark that you should always double check that you put the right settings into your charger before charging a battery. So thank you, Mark, for taking one for the team and reinforcing that very good message. Easy mistake to make. Number three, uh, another good episode. Uh, And uh, a guy that is involved in building model aeroplanes, has a big passion for it, has an awesome setup for building. You know, he's got a big area for building model aeroplanes in his house. And he came as a reference um, from another uh, podcast, uh, participant and Alexis Scott, and that is Ray Melton. Ray Melton from South Australia has taken out third place, the most listened to podcast in twenty flat out RC podcast that is in twenty twenty one. Was that was again? I'd never met Ray before. Uh, the first time I spoke to him was when I said hello to him and I rang him to to do the podcast recording, and really enjoyed having a chat and uh, learning about his life in aero modelling, which is all about. 
Now we're getting up to the pointy end here. Number two, uh, the president, the president of the MAAA, the current president of the MAAA, Tim Nolan, has taken out number two spot. Well done, Tim. Uh, Tim and I have talked a number of times since the podcast, uh, but uh, very busy doing work for the MAAA. And he he's also a very, very avid aero modeler. Um, you know, more often than not, when I talk to Tim, he's in his shed and he could be playing with a model airplane. Uh, he's busy with the MAAA and some other activities, but uh, he loves building model airplanes, loves scratch building. So Tim was a very popular guest. Well done. Number two position. And get ready for it. Drum roll. I need a drum kit. I really do need a drum kit. I, then I can do that live, that little drum roll. It is a man that is joining us in the final episode of the podcast, that is Fraser Briggs. Uh, Tales from Tucson was the title. Fraser Briggs, uh, a well-known aerobatic pilot over many years, competed at the Tournament of Champions at it, when it was at its peak. Uh, and so he's got lots and lots of stories to tell. He's a great storyteller. He's got a name, a nickname for everybody, including his dad called Baldrick. Uh, and so he was episode 67. And uh, yeah, was a really, really... He's, he actually rocketed to the number one all-time listens for a Flat Out RC podcast very, very quickly within a couple of weeks. And he was sending me messages going, gee, so many people are sending me messages now after the podcast recording. Um, and uh, then about a month ago, he said, I've just remembered a whole bunch of other stories. So this is why we're getting Fraser back. So uh, well done to all those top 10. But thank you to every all the guests that joined us because everybody performed really well this year as far as uh, a guest, even the likes of my mate, Chris Rudder and and uh, and um, you know Mike Farnan and um, Norm Morris and Sasha Jaconi. We had, you know, when I look back at the, the the names, the people that we've talked to this year, it is just uh, phenomenal. Aaron Bates. Uh, what you do find as well, there is a caveat on these results that they do change over time because a lot of people are going back and listening to old episodes, and that's something that I encourage you to do during January if you need your flat out RC fix. There's probably a few episodes there that you haven't listened to. So go back, listen to those episodes. Don't forget to subscribe whilst you're at it so that you don't miss out. So I'd, you know, I'd just like to thank all those guests that spent the time uh, to join me because uh, they really make this podcast. If it was just me talking, I dare say we'd all get pretty, pretty bored. So as my son starts to yell in the background, that means I need to move on. Guest time, my favourite part of the Flat Out RC podcast. Uh, and as I mentioned earlier, Fraser Briggs is joining us once again. He, he said to me, as I said earlier, <laughs> that he had more tales. And he actually wrote a list of notes uh, that he sent me. Couldn't understand any of the notes. But anyway, got him on because I knew that you know, I could just let him go and he'll have plenty of stories. And mind you, we didn't even get through half of them. So I'll guarantee you Fraser will be back. Uh, he might, might become a bit of a regular because he's got so many stories to tell. But anyway... Uh, he will be back, but uh, he jumped on the on the line with me all the way from uh, New Zealand, and um, he's just got a never ending list list of uh, funny stories to tell about his aero modelling activity. So, in this chat, we go all over the world: Germany, India. Just wait and see; you'll have a ball. So, over to my chat with Fraser Briggs. We have a repeat offender joining us: the man who was the most popular podcast guest in 2021. Congratulations, Fraser Briggs. You have won the podcast, the Flat Out RC Podcast of the Year. 
Well, what an honour. I'm shocked and stunned. <laughs> well, it was amazing. You know, Fraser's been on in the past. If you haven't listened to Fraser's uh, episode with me, then go back into the archives and take a listen because it was one of the truly hilarious podcasts that I've ever been involved in. And uh, and uh, shortly after that episode, Fraser sent me a message saying, there's a whole bunch of other stories that I've forgotten about. I said, you'll be back. And so we're, we've, we have you back, which is good. What have you been up to since I last spoke to you? Oh, well, you know what? The day after that I last spoke to you, New Zealand went into full lockdown. And um, mm. I was standing in a queue to get my first jab and, and people were starting to listen to the podcast and I'm getting all these messages from people saying, oh, you, you never mentioned that story about the off trim and you never mentioned that story about this, that and the other. And I thought, I'm going to have to start making some notes here. Well, look, we're a very professional podcast, as you know, Fraser. Our preparation happens about five minutes before we get on air and you sent me a photo of your notes and I, I, I they're just like, they're literally Fraser's notes that he'll know what the story is all about, but I don't even know how to position the question, but we'll work it out because we're, we're semi-professional here at Flat Out RC. So you're out of lockdown now, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, um, so Hamilton, well, Auckland, they got massively locked down. The rest of the country was kind of okay. And then next thing you know, the rest of the country, we got locked down. And, oh, shit. I mean, there was there was like my, I had my little secret handshakes flying field that, that I could go to, but I couldn't go to the main field and, people in Auckland that I like to catch up with. I couldn't go flying with them. Um, but things have changed rapidly. I mean, I'm I'm running the um, – no, I'm, I'm co-running the Model Flying New Zealand Nationals that starts on the 2nd of January. Now, two months ago, we were seriously thinking, wow, I don't think our Nationals are even going to happen. But then a month ago, they announced that the Auckland border were going to open up and, you know, 90% jabbed. If everyone's 90% jabbed, we're – we're going to be allowed out, and so things are actually starting to um, turn the corner. Um, the weather, I, I would say right now um, that it's nice, but it's it's actually a bit rubbish. We got this massive cyclone bearing down on New Zealand, like it's pissing with rain outside. It has been for the last three days, and you know, a month ago I was sitting in the spa listening to these podcasts and I thought, wouldn't it be funny to do this podcast from my spa pool? Um, audio, obviously not video, just audio. No, we don't. <laughs> no, no, definitely. I was, I was just, I was just imagining you and I sitting in your spa with some microphones, having a chat about model airplanes. It could be, uh, it could be a good thing. The borders are open. Like, well, it would be it would make a great podcast, but unfortunately, it's raining so hard out there at the moment that you wouldn't hear too much. Except for <laughs> the experience over here in Melbourne, uh, you know, we've been through the worst. Like we were locked down more than any other place in the world, and we got let loose. I think in October, end of October, or something like that. But I don't know. Opening up coincided with wind and rain. And so the I haven't actually been out flying yet. I haven't had the opportunity. The the, the days that I could have gone flying, I, I had other things, you know, family things that I had to do. So I actually haven't been flying. But with Christmas coming, I will be heading down to a club that I'm a member of down 
down the coast kind of thing. So I'll be getting some flying in, no doubt. Uh, so looking forward to that. But yeah, but it, I, look, I think things are starting to open up over here in Australia. It looks like then you know, it would be only drastic cases where they'd lock us down now. Uh, we've got really high vaccination rates, over 90%, and it's flying events will be back on. Um, we had a, an IMAC event already, um, but I think next year's going to – people can't wait. I just can't wait. I said to my wife, I can't wait to go to the flying club again and to flying events and take some photos and shoot some videos and do all that kind of stuff that I haven't done really for two years now. So – Things are looking up, which is good. Now, I'm going to flick to some of your notes, right? So, you know, for, for those who don't know who Fraser is, Fraser is a legend in the aerobatic flying scene, uh, both in New Zealand and in Australia, but also overseas. Uh, he competed at the Tournament of Champions event, which is was considered the, the, the biggest aerobatic, freestyle aerobatic event uh, in the world, really, in its day. And Fraser was there and competed in it and um, is a bit of a larrikin, as you'll find out. Have you heard about this new TOC2 event, the Invitational? Yeah, yeah, I, I have seen a little bit about it. Um, it would be, it'd be, it'd be awesome to be able to get over uh, to it. Um, but what I do like is, you know, back in those TOC days, you had to use the same plane for your sequence work, your technical work, and then you'd use that same plane for doing freestyle with. So you could, you know, it was like a compromise. Nowadays, there's guys out there with 100cc aeroplanes with really huge flippy floppy stabs and ailerons, and, and that's fantastic, but they won't do that actual sequence work too well. So that that's one thing that I think is really cool that they've that they've um, that they're doing at the TOC two, and they they did the first one. Oh, I think it was maybe a year or two years ago. It's a real bugger that COVID has kind of hit when it has because it's kind of, you know, like a lot of us guys that did all that TOC stuff through the through the 90s and the early 2000s, you know, man, what, it would be one hell of a party if we could all get together again. I oh, know it would be, wouldn't it? I'm just having looked now at the... Uh... The entry list for uh, for so it's a bit of an international thing. It's got they've got the US pilots and the international pilots, and got some big uh, big names, of course. Um, we see in the states, Jace Ducey, of course, Andrew Jeski, uh, Jason Knoll. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're mentioning all the young blokes. Have they got any old blokes in there? Oh, oh wait, let me just wait a second. Wait a second. What about Frank uh, Knoll? Wait there. <laughs> No, Frank Knoll, not the Frank Knoll is organizing oh, it. Yeah. Uh international pilots. Uh here he is, Seba Silvestri. Oh, oh would we classify him as an old guy? Yeah, he's the same as me. Okay, so he's an older guy. Uh Adi Kochev from um Israel. He's been around on the scene for a what while. About, he's not what a about Mike McConville? I, I think he's retired now. He's flying jets. Oh no, Mike, Mike's yeah, he's off the scene. No, yeah, look, last this, I heard this he was is in Taiwan or something. All us old it? TOC guys, we all start flying jets, and I can I can see why because it's a <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Like you know, I, I went to um, well, it's on the list. One of the things I went to Germany and I was at this compaf thing, and all these old retired aerobatic guys, they're all flying jets, and I reckon the reason why is because they can party up on Saturday night. 
Sunday morning, they can be really hungover. And if you're trying to put on like a full-on 3D display when you're hungover, it is not good. But if you're just flying a jet, all you have to do is just cruise down the runway on idle and then hit full bore and then... And everyone's like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's true. Well, actually, it's funny that you say that because one of my questions that I drafted was, what are your thoughts on turbine jets? Because they just seem to be really popular at the moment. Yeah, I've got... I've got a turbine jet. I've only got a small jet. Uh, it, it's a hell of a fast bloody thing, but uh, it, it's really easy to transport around. And I fly it a little bit. It's it's really good fun. The problem is I, I need to get a bigger jet, but the one that I've got, it's so small and so fast that no one wants to buy it because they can't keep up with the blood. <laughs> what, what model is it? It's a Compaf. It's called a Spark. And um, originally it was uh, uh, electric. And that was running on 12S. It was all over in three minutes. It was like great fun. But then you got these big, heavy, hot batteries. So me and my mate, we had a pair of sparks. So we put um, K60s in them. And, um, yeah, you can fly it. It goes nuts for five minutes. There's 315Ks an hour, which sounds really fast. (laughs) There are some guys with some faster jets, but it's a small jet, so it really is honking. But, um, yeah, I I need need to – I need to trade it for a bigger jet. What's the jet scene like in New Zealand? Yeah, no, there's a there's a really good jet scene. Um, it's a little bit messed up at the moment because Auckland can't get out, but as soon as that border opens, these jet guys, they are going to be fizzing at the bung to get to Tokoroa. That's where mm. New Zealand has got tarmac runway. It's in the middle of the North Island. Um, and, yeah, no, there's, there's, a, there's a really active jet scene. Yeah, same down here, over across here. It's uh, it's it's amazing to watch the growth of jets and then the expense, really, that people are going to and the investment people are making in jets because uh, they keep on breeding. It's you can't turn up to a jet event with sort of one turbine anymore. You know, everyone's got two, or three different large kind of thing. No, hey, you would have seen this. How planes just started to get bigger and bigger, and jets have just started to get bigger and bigger, and uh, it's amazing. Some some that are out there, I just. I just can't bring myself to invest a truckload of money into something that I could crash. Well, of course, you know about the jet tax. No, tell me about the jet tax. Oh, well, if you're a jet flyer, you should know all about jet tax. So jet tax is a real thing. Um, You know, (laughs) if you're you're going to fly a model jet. Here we go. Here we go, everyone. Yeah. Strap, strap yourselves in because now here comes one of uh, one of Fraser's. This, this, this is a real thing. I, 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 you know, I, I went to I went to Germany to a jet show, and I was talking to one of the guys. You know, wow, these. You know, I can I can sell a customer like a three meter extra two sixty with a DA one fifty, and I can sell them the smallest possible jet, and it costs twice as much. And he said to me, ah, because of the jet tax. <laughs> I said, really, jet tax? He says, well, the customer, he can afford to pay for the turbine, so he can pay to, he can pay more for the kit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'm like, well, that's a real thing. So all these guys that I talk to about jets, I mentioned jet tax, and they, they know exactly what I'm talking about. Well, that's true. When you think about it, that uh, some of these these. Kits should really be about the same price as a, a normal 
composite plane or something like that. But, yeah, we do pay a little bit extra. But um, you know what I found, though? And I did this. I have a jet. I've got a a Skymaster Viper jet, two meter. And if you just hold on tight, now and again, jet bargains crop up on the second-hand market. And that's what I did. I picked up a a jet at a great price and um it's a, it's a, and, uh, and I always love the look of a viper jet but um yeah you just got to sit there and wait for a while though to, to get a bit lucky to see if someone comes you know wants to get rid of something but um now nah, it's good to see the jet scene happening cuz uh, there's a lot of people getting a lot of enjoyment out of it now speaking of germany so t- I've, this is something from your list and um I know that this is a, a radio style show, so nobody can see the notes. And the notes is Germany times two. <laughs> Kompaf shows Achtung Spitfire. Oh, yeah. What? what? <laughs> Tell us a bit about that. Okay. So um, I've been rep for Kompaf, you know, since, since when they sort of burst out onto the scene. So I've been to these Kompaf shows in Germany. And basically, it's a weekend of of um, Compaf customers and Compaf sales. It's like a huge, big sales drive, but it's mm. a huge party. Man, I tell you what, I have not seen so much beer drunk. <laughs> like, wow. The first one I went to, oh, I can't remember where it was, Frankfurt, somewhere like that. Me and Baldrick went to it. You know, took us like two days to get there on Emirates. Bloody hell of a long flight from Melbourne to Dubai. Yeah. Man, yeah. it's like 16 hours. Anyway, we, we get to Frankfurt. They pick us up and they take us out to the flying field. It's Thursday and there's all these marquees being set up and there's this huge big trailer and he's got like a big Massey Ferguson. Wow. I don't think they have Massey Ferguson in Germany, but, you know, your you German version of a Massey Ferguson tractor, and it's basically pulling along this huge trailer that literally folds out into this massive bar. We're like, wow, this is this is pretty awesome. Now, this was on the Thursday. The weather was a bit crap, actually. Um, it was a bit crap the, almost the whole time. Um, Friday, you know, raining, Saturday, raining. So guys are all standing around drinking beer, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning, these Germans, they rock up to go for a fly. Oh, yeah, come to fly my comp off. Oh, no, it is <laughs> raining. Well, drink beer and drink <laughs> beer they do. <laughs> anyway, so they did lots of, uh, they did lots of sort of marquee sort of standing around and, you know, hints and tips sessions and how to fix your comp path and this sort of carry on. Um, Andrew Jeske and Jason Shulman, they were both there. And I think they must have been a little bit jet lagged because they were really tired, these guys. The whole time they were. And and Shulman, like, they, he wouldn't eat any of the German food. So they, they were oh. constantly having to get in the car and go and find him some McDonald's. Yeah. As you yep. do. So Saturday night. What do you what is this? Oh, this has got to be early 2003, 2004, somewhere around about there, I reckon, maybe. Oh, so Jesky would have been a young kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> we we went to the pub for tea and he didn't know what to what to eat. And um and Baldrick was sitting next to me and he says, Well, what are you gonna have? I, I, I don't know. He says, Well, Baldrick says, What do you eat? 
what do you eat at your mom's house? And he says, I just eat what my mom cooks me. I don't know what it is. <laughs> he was a fat little bugger at the time, but he's lost a lot of weight since then. Yeah, not anymore. Yeah. Anyway, so so there was a huge party on Saturday night. And uh, Shulman and Jeske, they were tucked up in bed back at the hotel by 9 o'clock. But in Germany, the party does not finish at 9 o'clock. Anyway, you can't imagine I was the first in bed either. <laughs> no. The- oh, look, you were just... Like you, you know, you hate a drink, don't you? And you, you were there. I was just being social. So, exactly, yeah, taking one for the team as I. Well, the next morning, all of a sudden, boom! It's beautiful weather, and I'm out there at ten o'clock, feeling a bit hungover, trying to do a three D demo. You know what that's like. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so that was my first trip to uh, to Germany. The second trip was probably five or six years later. And uh, oh, another fantastic weekend. It was just me uh, on my own. And, you know, I spent more time in a 747 getting there than I did actually being there. Um, mm. But actually, you know what, Baldrick, he was there. He was he was there as well. Um, so just thinking of some really funny things. Um, they had this time, they didn't have like a tractor towing around a caravan full of beer. They had like a B train truck, <laughs> man, they had a guy whose job it was to change the kegs on the beer. And this trolley just kept on going backwards and forwards, backwards and forwards. <laughs> uh, it was like, wow, these Germans. Like, So it's a Compaf show. They've got all of the Compaf models, all of the jets, all of the iMac, all of the scale models. They're all out there. Um, they've they've got like a like a show segment where you know all the shulman's gonna fly the extra and you know bogan's gonna fly the pits uh crispy chips was there crispy chips he just burst onto the scene and he was gonna do the 3d demo with his extra 260 that got damaged on the way and baldrick had to do a repair (laughs) (laughs) great because baldrick felt like oh i feel like i'm here and i've got to do something now so um, so you know you'd go out to I, I, my my job was to demo this big massive pit special the um the pits challenger that compath make and uh you know it's like it's your turn you're next there's this crowd of german modelers they're looking towards the flight line you know we're talking a couple of hundred meters left or right and 20 meters deep of modelers that are all just standing there drinking beer and you've got to get through them. And uh, uh, excuse me, guys coming through, excuse me. You know, they, they can't hear. I said to Andreas at Compath on Friday, I said, what do I do politely <laughs> to, you know, when I need people to move out the way, cause they're not, they, they can't hear me. And he just said, what you need to do, Bogan is just yell out, Spitfire. <laughs> Are you serious? He says, yep. So you yell that out and you watch them move. Anyway, so sure enough, Saturday, I've got this big massive pits and I'm trying to push it out to the runway. There's like 20 deep of Germans. They're looking the other way. And I just yelled out, Achtung, Spitfire. And it was like the parting of the seas. Man, those guys, they nearly <laughs> snapped their necks turning around. 
And then they turned around and saw me and they just all laughed and moved <laughs> to the side. And then from then on, all weekend and at the party on Saturday night, it was Akdong Spitfire. Now, this, these Compaf events, who was invited? Was it just mainly people around Europe or internationals as well? No, no, they, they'd, get a few, um, they'd get a few internationals in. Um, as I say, Crispy Chips, Jason Shulman, he was there. Jeski was there one time. Um, yeah, they'd get um, they'd get a few guys in. Um, and as well as that, if you were a potential customer, you could rock up to the Compaf and you could say, mm, you know, I want to have a fly of the of the extra. And so they'd they'd put you on the buddy list roster. Oh, really? And um and yeah, so that was that was one of the the jobs that we had to do is like, you know, oh, they all want Shulman MX2. Yep, yep. I want to have a fly mm. with Shulman on the MX2. So these guys get on the buddy lead and, you know, um <laughs> some of them were really good. Some of them were just just get like it's windy and the shitty weather and you know the bottle's getting blown miles away. And I, oh, hang on, let me just take over and bring it back where we can see it. Okay, you got it again. And then, oh, hang on a minute, let me bring it home. <laughs> you should, should have had a trainer plane there just to check people out before they fly. Yeah, well, that was the crazy thing. I mean, you had no idea. Some of the guys, I mean, the, the, um, um, the guy, the guys running the show. Said, okay, we're gonna we're gonna get you guys to buddy lead these these guys, but we're not gonna let them have the throttle. You get the throttle, because I'm like, <laughs> okay, that's cool. Yeah, and then some guys would be just like, hey man, I know how to work this throttle, and it's like, well, we, yep, let, yep. Yeah. <laughs> You'd see them go, it's like, yeah, you, you know how to work the throttle, don't you? But some guys, yeah, they did not know how to work the throttle at all. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, first, yeah, go to a comp after you have your first flying lesson. Here you go. Well, Germany, uh, I must say, I, I can feel for Andrew Jeski. Every time I've been to Germany, reading the menus is difficult, and my technique is look for the word schnitzel and just point at that and go, yep, that'll be okay. But um, pork knuckle's not bad for a hangover cure, I believe. Not that I'd know, but... I've heard. I tell you that um, reading the menu perfectly segues into my trip to India. That, that <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I was going to say let's go to India next because you know the, the contrast. Well, what were you doing in India? Okay. Well, this this goes a long way back now. So back in the TOC days, this guy from India called AJ. What a great guy. I've met him. He'll be a friend for life. He he would come to the TOC in Las Vegas dressed in a full three-piece suit. Very smart guy. And he's walking around and, you know, no one was really have a chat to him, but we're the Kiwis. We're the social team. We like to, we like to talk to the colonials. So hmm. we start talking to AJ. <clears throat> anyway. Fast forward to the shootout, and um, this guy, AJ, starts coming to the Tucson shootout to watch it, and it's like 40 degrees in the desert, and he's walking around in this black suit. Anyway, so he, out of the blue, he says to us one day, he says, oh, look, we'd, we'd really like you guys to come to India. I'm like going, yep, yeah, sure, sounds great, and I'm thinking, 
until we actually get the airfare in the mail, it's all just talk. Anyway, so I said to the missus, hey, we, we might end up going to India. She's like, really? I'm like, going, yeah, really, we've been invited to India. Well, middle of January, which is like the height of summer in New Zealand and wintertime in India, but still hotter than New Zealand, um, these airfares, this air tickets turn up. And it's like, wow, we're actually going to India. This is going to be amazing. So <laughs> i got absolutely no idea what I'm in for. Mm. So we get to India. We had to get babysitters, grandma and granddad, Baldrick, you know, yep, you guys need to come and stay for two weeks because me and Train, we're, we're off to India. Bogan's going to do some flying. So <laughs> we landed in Bombay. Well, Mumbai, they call it now. Mumbai. But anyway, we get to Bombay. And, and this guy, AJ, he meets us there at the airport. and Welcome to India. You know, fantastic. Wow, this is great. I'll tell you what. Have you ever seen that movie, Slumdog Millionaire? Yes. Yeah, people asked me about my trip to India, and I just said to them, you got to watch that movie. That movie answers all the questions. So <laughs> we, we we get to India, we get to this guy, and we're at AJ's place. And um, this is a couple of days before the actual flying event, which I wasn't sure still whether it was a competition, was it like an air show, or was it like a fun fly? I mean, I still really had no idea. Anyway. <laughs> So the first thing I learned about being in India is you're either a king or you're in the gutter. Yeah. We we get to um this guy's place and he he he's in this apartment and he's on the second floor from the very top. And then the top floor, his mum, she lived there. Anyway, would you like a beer, Mr. Boggan, sir? <laughs> yeah, sure, I'll have a kingfisher, please. And he reached into his pocket and he just kind of clicked this button. And I heard this distant bing bong. Gee, that's kind of weird. That sounded like a like a front doorbell going off. Anyway, then the next thing you know, this guy comes out and he he brings me a Kingfisher beer. Oh, wow. And he, he stood there. He, he poured half of it into the glass. And I'm like, yep, thanks. Yeah, I've got it from here. No, he stood there. <laughs> Every time I took a sip, he poured a little bit more. <laughs> oh, no. That that was to set the scene for the whole week of being in India. Oh, really? So the next day off we go and we're headed down. Oh, it's about an hour or so south of Mumbai to this private resort. And these guys have basically rented out this private resort because at the resort, there's like a full size um, airport. And it's got like this little tarmac runway and it's just perfect for flying models. So basically this thing that I went to in India was kind of like a, a bit of a rally type of a fun fly type thing. And they'd got, they'd got me over, but they'd also got some Germans in as well oh. to fly jets. Yeah. Anyway, so some of these Germans, well, one of them Emmerich from Powerbox, I, I already knew a little bit anyway. So we're there. We're in. It's like the the meet and greet day, and 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 there's they've basically the in the the guys they're running around organising everything. They don't have time to really do too many formalities. So Kiwis, Germans, Germans, Kiwis, go and have lunch. Okay, so we're sitting there, and 
none of these Germans knew what was on the menu. They had no idea. But mm. I managed to figure out what was chicken and chips. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so I ordered chicken and chips. These guys ordered stuff. They had no clue what was turning up. And then they saw what I got, and that was a bang. Whatever the kiwi orders, a visual order now. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so man, I tell you what, we we had one hell of a week in Germany. Me, um, India. Yeah, it, sorry, yeah, with the Germans. So I was in India with the, with Germans. the German guys. There was three of them. There was um, I got to remember the name. So there was um, Emmerich from Powerbox. He's hilarious. And I, I remember meeting him back in the TRC days. They had this guy called Winnie. And um, Winnie, he's like their team manager guy. Anyone that's flown jets in Germany, they know Winnie. They had another guy called Horst. And he was like a German version of Baldrick. So <laughs> it was like, oh, Baldrick's here. And then and then the, the young guy they had, he was called Enrico Tata. And he was there. He was one of their jet flyers. So anyway, so when the actual flying event started, um, so these these Germans they brought a couple of jets over. The old guy Horst, he's flying this like flying wing, and it was like super fast. It was like wow, that that's pretty cool. And then Enrico, he had one of those very first J10s with the full-on 3D thrust vectoring, and he could do all the hovering and the flipping and flopping, you see. Oh, yeah, yeah that was pretty cool. I hadn't seen, crowd likes yeah, that. I hadn't seen that stuff happen. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking this is about 2008. Yeah, and anyway, so I said, oh, great, what, what am I going to be flying? And they're like, ah, oh, we have extra 260 for you to fly, Mr. Bogan. I'm like going, great, excellent. Put me on an extra 260. <laughs> so out rolls this compass, extra 260. It's yellow and black. Now, we had just driven from Mumbai to wherever this place was. I mean, the, the traffic in India is just insane. It's like the horn is connected to the accelerator and the brake. So, like, man, when we drove down to the airfield, I saw death in the face. Like, this, we, the car we were in started overtaking another car that was already overtaking a truck uh, on a blind corner. Perfect. Just oh, crazy. And where was the plane? Okay, so they had this extra 260 for me. And it was really beat up. <laughs> and it was the same color as the taxis in India. So I nicknamed it the Bombay Taxi straight away. Yeah. <laughs> so. Wow. Well, we call is it, is it, there's that over here, we call it the taxi scheme. Yeah, taxi scheme. Is it, yeah. yeah, yellow is and black. It, sort of, yeah. So yeah. this was the Bombay Taxi. All right. I had a look on the wingtips. So why has it got these big metal sort of, strikes on the wingtips oh well when mr umtiesh made the landing sometime he dragged a wing on the tarmac so we, <laughs> you know we we put the metal on the wingtip i'm like oh okay so first take off i do i give it some aileron and i start dragging that wingtip down the tarmac <laughs> anyway <laughs> but then then i look at the undercarriage there's no spats on it 
I mean, oh, you can't have a model without spats. If it's supposed to have spats, it's got to have spats. Yeah. Wheel pants, as they call them in America. So, but there's a big piece of wire and it runs from one axle to the other axle. Oh, yeah. yeah. Why have you? I've never seen that before. This is not a type of oh, Because it keeps on bending the undercarriage and he. Yeah, that's the thing I said it. to him. Yeah, I said, why, why have you got this big piece of wire running from one wheel to the other? Well, sometimes Mr. Yomtesh, when you make the landing, he boing, boing, boing. <laughs> I'm like, all right, all right. <laughs> so <laughs> the next day, I looked at the model. I said, hey, uh, where's that bit of wire gone? Well, you were making fun of it, so I took it off. <laughs> so anyway, so I flew the pants off this Bombay taxi. Um, what was really awesome about the flying field was it was this tarmac runway. And it was looking out towards this massive mountain range out in front of us. It was oh, beautiful cool. weather the whole time. Mm. And and it actually dipped away like from from a, a, probably about 50 meters out in front of the runway. It dropped down to this like just absolutely massive valley. I mean, it would have been probably 500, 600 feet down. So when I was flying, I'd actually walk a little bit further to the other side of the tarmac and I'd start flying and I'd come roaring past a knife edge and start pushing around into a knife edge circle and then give it down rudder and disappear down. Now, I can see it, but from the crowd, they can't see it. They're like, oh, my God, he has crashed, <laughs> you know, and then, wow, come roaring back. <laughs> so that was a... That was a lot of fun. Uh, and who, who was who was invited? Was it like a invite only kind of? It was event? just modelers. Or? It was just modelers that had been invited. So there were probably about twenty or thirty of them. That, that, you know, the, these guys that were all into flying that kind of stuff. So they would they would fly as well. And then okay, now we've got an invited guest. You know, we've got this guy from Germany. He's going to fly. Um, I'll tell you that it, it just got so funny. With the Germans. So um, <laughs> on the first day, I'm talking with Winnie, this old guy from Germany. And he says, oh, um, you know, one time we went to uh, we went to the U.S. We went to Florida to uh, Top Gun Jets. And they told us, you cannot be drinking beer in the pits. So he said, so we make a cold word and we would say it is time for a meeting and then we would go to the car park and we would drink some beer. And I'm like, oh, right, okay, Sound, sounds great. So he said, he says, so Kiwi, when you hear me say the word, it is time for a meeting, you'll know. <laughs> anyway, so day one, it's 11 o'clock on Saturday morning and I've just landed. And I hear, time for a meeting. <laughs> I have the documents. Oh, shit, already. So at this little airport, they had this, like an airport terminal. And, I mean, it's hot in Germany, it, um, in India. In I India. keep getting mixed up with my Germany. We were in India, and it was so <laughs> hot. And we had um, these little wristbands, and the wristband basically said, Whatever they want, you give it to them. Whether it's beer, food, just give it to them. Anyway, so we 
we're in this airport terminal. We're having a couple of beers. And the, the our hosts, they thought we'd actually gone into the terminal because they heard us say we're going for a meeting. They thought we'd <laughs> gone in there to actually plan our afternoon show. <laughs> but we were just getting out of the heat and drinking beer. <laughs> anyway... But it did actually work out in their favor because during that time, we did actually come up with a great afternoon show because I'd seen Enrico hovering this like 3D jet. I said, mate, wouldn't it be awesome if you were hovering that thing and then I come along with the extra and start doing loops around you? Yeah, that would be good. And then you can do the hover and I will do the loops. And I'm like... Uh yeah, man, this is sounding really good. So we actually we we pieced together this really awesome show where we had the full-on 3D jet, an extra 260, and we were doing at the start synchronized aerobatics, and then he would start doing 3D, and I started doing 3D, and the next thing you know, we're both hovering right next to each other. I mean, they they, they absolutely loved it. Yeah, uh, how did you go flying with the jet? Like, if you're doing loops, did you get any of the uh, the jet wash that interrupted your your plane, or did you just position it? Differently? No, no, it wasn't a problem. It wasn't a problem at all. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. A problem. Uh, they didn't give you a fly of the jet, did they? No, I wasn't flying jets back then. He was probably on some crazy mode, but um, oh, <laughs> I'm remembering more things about India. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got here dry state. What's that? Oh, that's trip two. Oh, yeah, that's trip two. Okay, so one last thing that I can remember about that trip. Okay, so this this Compath two sixty that they got me flying the Bombay taxi, right? It had a dodgy switch. Every time it was my turn to fly, they go to turn the model on, wouldn't turn on. They'd have to take the canopy off. And it had some Emcotech switch, and they'd have to unplug the batteries, replug the batteries, and now it would turn on. And then they'd put the canopy on, and then I'd be able to fly. So, like every single time, everybody's ready, the music's ready, Bogan's ready to go, can't turn the plane on. Anyway, the crazy thing was in India, if you're a modeler, you've got 10 guys that run around looking after you. It's their job to put the plane together, clean really? the plane, fuel the plane, you know, switch the plane on. But they hadn't been equipped with ball drivers. Now, if you're a modeler, you know what a ball driver is, but these guys did not have, they'd just been given those little L-shaped Allen keys. So every time the canopy had to come off, these four guys come out, and they've got the little L-shaped Allen key, takes them about two minutes to get the lid off. Oh. Well, on the last day, I put a ball driver in my pocket. And anyway, sure enough, the plane wouldn't turn on. These guys all, oh, no. <laughs> They, they didn't have their Allen keys in their pockets. They had to go running back to the car park. Well, I tell you what, I quickly pulled that ball driver out of my pocket. I pulled the canopy off. I turned the plane on. I put the canopy back on. I yelled at some guy, please hold the rudder. I give it one flip and I just took off. Boom. <laughs> yep, they started the music and I was into it. In the meantime, these four guys that come running back from the car park, just yelling and screaming, oh, my God, what is he doing? What is not turned on? And I did the whole flight, and I landed, <laughs> and I taxied up, and these guys were convinced that the plane was not turned on till I held up the ball driver. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. 
How you flew the plane? Yep. The flying itself. Yeah, I, I did a four-minute freestyle demo with the plane turned off. Perfect. I, you know, what I saw today on on Facebook because I get most of my education from Facebook nowadays was. Um, a guy, it was Craig Bavery. Thank you, Craig. I know he'd be listening. He um he, he put this shared this post where it was a guy in a Cessna 150, and he was showing you how you can actually fly the plane uh, by opening and closing the side windows, and it was it was real. Like you could open one if both were open, it was flying straight and level. If you close one, it'd bank one way. If you close the other, it'd bank the other way. If you you know, if you wanted to like make the nose go up and down, you you know, be a different, you know, pull one in a bit more than the other, and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I don't know whether it was uh, tricks or whatever, but it looked like he was actually flying the plane based on, uh, out of the just by playing the windows. Sounds very technical. I'm sure. I know. I'm sure, it, was, it works. It did. It looked really good. I thought, oh, I could probably land it. You know, if you'd lose everything, just keep the windows open. But anyway, now, so so that India trip. That you went back. Yeah, How no, did you go I, back I a second you, time? I mean, that, that was such an amazing first trip. I mean, I'd never been to India. We we stayed in this resort. It, they had people cutting the grass with scissors. Yeah, it was just like mm. just crazy and amazing all at the same time. And as I say, I came back and I said to people, you need to watch that movie called Slumdog Millionaire, and that will explain my trip to India. But mm. So... um it was probably 10 years later that I went back to India. And again, a guy, um, I think he was at that very first meeting and he must have met me and thought this guy's a lot of fun. And he also, um, Richo, so you, you know who Richo is, don't you? Yeah, Steve Richardson. Yeah. So yep. in Australia, there's this guy called Richo. He's he, he's pretty clued up on all this IMAX stuff. And, and the guy, um, Udian. He wanted a Sukhoi. So he got Richo to put him a Sukhoi together. Richo went to India with Jules. They had a great time. They went to the Taj Mahal. They did all this stuff. And and then I guess Udian, he must have said, hey, who, who should we get over here? And I think Richo said, you need to get Bogan over here. <laughs> so so I went to India a second time. I went with Baldrick. But this was more of a private deal. It was not an air show. Uh, This was just a guy that was a keen modeler and he wanted to just hang out with me for the week and do flying. And he was, he was in that stage where he could fly and he wanted to learn how to do 3d. Um, Anyway, so about a day before I left, Richo talked to me, he goes, bargain, are you all set? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'm all set. We're all set. He says, you do realize where you're going. Dry steak. I'm like, uh-huh. uh, what? He goes, yeah, you're going, you're going to uh, Amdabad, and it was in, um, oh, I can't remember the name of the state, but it's where Gandhi's from, and literally, it's a dry state, like there's no alcohol. So, when we got there, you know, like I was like, wow, this is this is kind of weird, and people can walk around safely. At one, two o'clock in the morning, you know, there's not drunk people hanging around. Mm-hmm. But when we got there, me and Baldra, <laughs> Udian, he said, don't worry, guys, I've got some beers for you. <laughs> and he, he he took us to the to uh, where we were staying in this bedroom. 
and he'd put a special beer fridge in there and he had it completely stocked up with Kingfisher. Oh. And um, uh, that was great, but we actually, um, <laughs> the fridge was making too much noise. We couldn't get to sleep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you had to drink all the beer well, and then turn the fridge You know, off. we only have a few, but we, we said to him after the first couple of nights, we said, you know, we, we've come to um, we've come to this dry state. How did you manage to get this beer? And he said, oh, well, actually here in the um, state where we are, Gujarat, that's what it's called, Gujarat. He said, you can actually have a license to buy some beer, and I think you're allowed to buy, each person is allowed to buy 30 bottles of beer per month. So that's like one a day. Anyway, so what he'd done is he'd, he's got all his mates in and he'd rallied them all around and used all of their <laughs> all of their licenses to buy enough beer to keep a couple of Kiwis going for a week. Mm. So you've got a reputation, haven't you? I don't know how that's happened. <laughs> yeah, I've really, I really, I know I'm confused as well. <laughs> I'll tell you what, though, we, 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 had a, we had a great fun week in India. Um, yeah, especially with Baldrick being there. He, he'd been to Pakistan when he was in his 20s. He did six months working over there. And um, so he knew a little bit about the about the area. But, oh, yeah, we, we really enjoyed our week in India. Oh, a number of years ago, I got approached by a guy in India looking for someone to come and fly 3D at, a, at like a, an event. But it was, it was an event at a university. It was part of like a university open day. And... And I'm like, okay, so is there a flying site or how does this all work? And they said, I will pay. And I was like, yeah, okay. And, you know, I'll try to find someone for you, but give me a bit more info. Anyway, I hooked them up with uh, Aaron Bones Gal, but I think it sort of all fell through. The whole event fell through. I think it was ended up being cancelled. But, um, yeah, how popular is flying in India? Oh, um, you saw. No, there's not many guys that do it because, like, I mean, they've got a massive population, but – they can't get the gear. They can't. There's you can't just like you know. If I need to go and buy a pack of the hinges, I can jump in my van. I can drive ten minutes down the road to a model shop, and I can buy a pack of the hinges. You can't do that in India, and the population is just phenomenal. That I mean, part of the problem is they don't have the um, they don't have places to go flying. This this guy Udian, he bought his own flying site. It was a couple of I don't know, three or four acres. It was about 30 minutes drive out of town. And he could do what he wanted. He owned the place. Um, but it was surrounded by, like, telephone poles and bloody big fences and concrete gates at one end. And I'll tell you what, though, I mean, it, it, it was fantastic. He had all the Compath models lined up, and the guys had been sent out there an hour beforehand, put them all together, get them all fueled up, and we would rock up at 9 o'clock. And, you know, okay, Udian, what are we flying first? Sukhoi. We're flying Sukhoi. Okay, great. And then what do we fly next? Extra. Okay, great. What do we fly next? SBAC. And it was just by 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you haven't had to fuel any models, you haven't had to charge any gear, you haven't had to put wings on. And, and, and oh, man. And what were really was great is at, at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, they just stop doing whatever they're doing and they just have this big massive feed. Like, yeah, just crazy. Like 
and the food was just so good. Man, it was good. And they don't have dinner till 10 o'clock at night over there. So they have this really big feed at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Anyway, Bulljuk and I, we had a lot of fun on that trip to India. And here's the other crazy thing. Kite Festival was happening in Ahmedabad at the exact same time. I thought, oh, man, they're having a kite festival. It's going to be <laughs> so windy. Well, I don't think that they do kites the same as the rest of the world do kites because there wasn't a breath of wind. But somehow in India, they figured out how to fly kites without wind. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they do these dogfighting kites. And the um, they're all everywhere you drive. You can just see all these kites like all over the sides of the road, these tissue-covered kites. And when you buy the, the big string line for your kite, um, it's the string line is actually full of glass beads, so it's really sharp. And the whole idea of flying these kites is just to cut the other guy's string. And at the end of the day, you've won because you've managed to win so many kites. But I mean, like, yeah, how they make oh, I got some of them kites, I brought them back to New Zealand. It was blowing 20 knots. Do you think they would fly? Nah, nah, that's funny, isn't it? It's a f amazing kites. Um, I've been in China and seen you know, at a flying event, and yeah, it was blowing a gale and people were flying kites whilst people were, like, the competition kept on going. And then um, I remember being in Bali, I think it was, and kites everywhere in the middle. <laughs> I don't know where they were flying them from because. It's like, you know, there's not a lot of spare spare ground really in the built up areas, but oh, I just remember seeing kites all over the place, and I'm thinking, you know, CASA, our Civil Aviation Safety Authority, wouldn't like what they're doing because they weren't flying them too low either, really high. But uh, now let's, I'm, I'm going back to your notes, right? The Monty Dump Station. Oh my god! <laughs> remember, everybody. I don't know what these topics are about. These are just I'm reading off of Fraser's notes. Right, so <laughs> I, I I don't know where this is going. Okay, right. So we're getting back to Tucson now. Okay, so I've been going to Tucson a lot, and one of the problems was we'd go to Tucson, and we would stay i mean the the flying field the where the shootout is the um i can't just remember the timpa they're called timpa that's the name of the club it's an hour's drive from tucson so if you're staying in tucson every morning you're up at five o'clock in the morning to get over to the bloody flying field and you get home there's a dinner you get home after three or four days of that you are wrecked and i said to baldrick you know what we need to camp at the field. If we are camping at the field, we would, we, this trip would be so much better because we would wake up in the morning at a normal time and we would not have to worry about who's going to drive us home after we've finished bloody drinking beers at night time. We got the camper. Anyway, so we went, we went to Tucson, me and Baldrick and another guy, John Rogers, a Kiwi. And his nickname is Ted. So Ted was flying into media and off we went. Anyway, so I managed to figure out renting an RV. And we rented this RV in Los Angeles. And it's about a 14-hour drive 
from LA down to Tucson. Anyway, we rented this RV, and this particular RV is called a toy hauler. So imagine your regular RV. It's got, you know, like your, you know, it's got the cab at the front. It's got like your kitchen area in the middle. And then down the back, it's got your double bedroom, right? Yeah. Okay. But this RV doesn't have the double bedroom because it's a toy hauler. So that double bedroom is actually a garage. And it's got this huge, big roller door at the back. And there's two big ramps. And you can fit a pair of quad motorbikes side by side in the back of this thing. Shit. What a perfect machine for transporting model airplanes because i think it was like i don't know nine foot square something like that something that doesn't quite work out in metric as to what it needs to be but all the gear goes in the back anyway so we rent this thing and the company that we've rented it off in la is called el mont or el monte anyway so ted he instantly nicknames the RV the Monty. So we had this RV, and I tell you, it, it was a, a a turnaround or a pinnacle point of all my trips away that, you know, you, you kind of get to that moment where you think we had it all figured out, and then you realize, ah, getting an RV <laughs> is what we really needed to do this whole time. Because when you've got an RV, it's your house, on wheels and all of your airplanes and all of your spare parts and all of your charges. So if you're at the field, there's no, oh shit, I left my wing tube back at the motel, you know, because everything's in the RV. Um, anyway, so <laughs> we had a great year at the shootout that year. Now, the reason why. You've got the notes there for the Monty dump station. Okay. So my old man, Baldrick, he's into camping. He's had an RV for years. He knows all about these RVs, and I'm I'm new on the scene of RVs. I've, I've learned this shit since then. Anyway, hang on. <clears throat> I'll just have to pause for a minute. Oh, are you um, topping up the glass? Oh, there was a cat. The cat? There was a cat scratching at the door. He wanted to get out. Yeah. Okay, you might want to edit that little pause out, but back to the story. No. <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> we we've got this we've got this RV called the Monty. Anyway, we're staying with John and Lisa Heigel in Tucson. We're I went up in actually Apache Junction. It's about an hour north of Tucson. We're going out practicing, and you know, anyway, we've got this RV, and and we've got all the comforts of home, including a toilet. Anyway. After about two days, we're driving around in the in the Monty, and gee, there's a, what is that smell sloshing around back there? It's stinking a little bit. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, we're going to have to figure out how to dump how to dump the wastewater out of this Monty. So Baldrick says, "Oh yeah, I know, I know all about how those RVs work. No problems at all." I said, "Okay, great." So on the way home from the flying field. We're like, right, we need to start Googling up where we can where we can dump this RV. So we find a, um, a campsite, and it's going to cost us five bucks US. So we pull in there, and the guy says, yep, no worries. You go down to number 13. There's no one parked there at the moment, and you can dump 
your bloody dump station right there. Okay, great. So I'm like, oh, this is, you know, this is a bit of a training session. Bulldog says, right, old Bogan, now you you pay attention and I'm going to show you how this whole system works. And I'm like, okay, sweet. So out comes this really big black wobbly hose. It's about 100 mil diameter. All right, okay. He says, yep, right. Well, that, that plugs onto the side of the RV. Yep, great. And the other end goes down that hole. Okay, he says, now your job is to keep your foot on that hose. Do not take your foot off that hose. Okay, right oh, will do. He's right. <laughs> so the first thing you got to do is you've got to pull the black. Oh, right oh. Okay, so he pulls his black handle and the, the hose, I'll tell you what, it's just as well I had my foot on it because holy boom, 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 boom. Like, Jeez, look at that thing jumping around. Anyway, then it stopped moving. He's right. And after that, you pull the gray. So he pulls the gray tap out and then whoosh, all this water's happening. I said, shit, you wouldn't want to take your foot off that hose. Anyway, so I said to Bulldrick, see that thing you've got plugged onto the side there, Bulldrick, that hose, what happens if that comes off? He says, if that comes off. Oh, I was about to say. <laughs> he says, if that comes <laughs> off, you run. <laughs> right oh. So anyway, fast forward a couple of days. <laughs> know where this is going. <laughs> yep, we're on our way home from the shootout one night. Things are sloshing around in the Monty. Mm, it's getting a bit stinky back there. I think we need to offload. I mean, it only had like a 20 litre tank. It, it was not it, like this great big massive American RV, but with these tiny little water tanks. And I remember Baldrick telling me, uh, he, me, and, me and Ted, he gave us the full on. Um, lecture about how to have a shower when you're in an RV. Right, you guys, we've only got 20 litres of water for the shower, right? So when you get in the shower, you get 30 seconds of hot water and then you use the soap and then you soap yourself up and then you get another 30 seconds of hot water and you're good to go. I said, Baldrick, <laughs> me and Ted, we paid a thousand bucks each for our share of this RV. <laughs> We're gonna use that bloody water till it's run out. <laughs> and and what's more, at the shootout, there's a hose pipe, and if you park close enough, you can have that hose pipe. You can plug that straight into the side, and you've got unlimited until you run out of gas, right? Unlimited yeah. shower. Yep. So no problems at all. <laughs> anyway, so we get back to the RV dump station, and this time we're not at a campsite. We're at an actual gas station. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. Big forecourt. We paid our five bucks, and the little dump thing is off to the side. We parked the RV over there. Anyway, Baldrick didn't attach the hose properly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Probably not a bad thing, actually. If you had a nice pair of sneakers yes. on, you wouldn't want that. Yeah, I mean, at least you could just if, rinse it. If you had gumboots on, you'd be okay, but we got jandals <laughs> on. Anyway, he pulled that black water and that hose fell off and shit went everywhere. I just yelled, <laughs> pull the bloody grey, Baldrick, pull the grey. <laughs> and Baldrick pulled the grey. There was water coming out. We grabbed the hose. We just off we went. Yeah, what a mess. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, gee. <laughs> 
Where did it go? Everywhere. Uh, all over the forecourt of the, well, we, we left. <laughs> oh. Yeah, we left. That's disgusting. You can't do that. <laughs> Didn't we try to clean it up or anything? You just got in the, got in the RV and went. Oh no! Yeah, no, we were <laughs> we, we with the hose flapping around in the background. Yeah, we oh, were gone. So, yeah, that was the uh, the monster dump station. That RV. That it sounds like like as soon as someone mentions RV, you go okay. Now we've got a trip on our hands because there's going to be a whole bunch of stories associated to to the RV. I like the idea of going to um, uh, what is it? Jonal and having an RV, mm. I reckon it'd be great because oh, that, you know, that, that's like Woodstock. That, yeah, that's like. Well, have been, you ever been to Jonal? No, I haven't been. It's on the bucket list. It's on the bucket yeah, list. That'd be um, cool. But having an RV changes the whole trip because mm. I mean, we were just having to get up so early in the morning. It, it was just absolutely killing us. But to be able to stay at the field and then also. The other great thing is you're at a competition. Sometimes you just want to get away from all of the people that are asking all of the questions and you want to, and so you just, you just go out the back and you sit in your RV and you, you put some toast in the toaster and you look at your unknown and you get your stick plane out and you just hang out back there. And if you don't have that RV, you don't, have a home at the flying field you you're you're in the pits all bloody day long you can't get away from it you, you might be able to go to your van but i'll tell you what yeah no having an rv um really makes things a lot of fun and then of course you know at night time everybody else that's camping at the field they're all in their rvs as well and you can drink a few beers and i'll tell you what you wake up the next morning fresh as a daisy yeah, that's the way to do it. I reckon that's the way. That RV trip. Who's in? Let's go. Let's go to Jonal or something. Maybe we can go to this invitational event. I had a look today, actually, this, this uh, TOC2 today. I thought, how do you get there? Because it's you sort of fly, I think, to Washington, D.C., and then you could drive down. I worked out. Fredericksburg. But... um. If they like, if they had these these events at sort of near major cities, it'd make it a lot easier for us, wouldn't it? <laughs> Rather than uh, in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> oh, that was one thing that was always easy for us is getting to the shootout is on the west coast, so you can you can fly to LA and then you can just drive. Um, but getting to um, east coast events is quite difficult. Yeah. But long range. Um, flights now you can fly all the way to Dallas or all the way to Houston and, and if you have a look at a map of America that's that's halfway so it's only a couple of days drive to get over to Florida or over to the east coast yeah that's true yeah big big flights it's a time difference how do you go with the time difference over there well um, coming home is a big problem well, not a big problem. You find yourself really tired, but uh, no, nah, we we never really had too many problems with the time difference over there because, you know, we'd we'd spend so much time traveling. We'd get there at like say three three in the morning, and we'd have a couple of beers, go to sleep, and the next day, boom, we're into it. Yeah, no problem. Yes, so I went to oh, a few years back now, two or three years. I went to New York, and that really wreaked havoc with me. I I hardly slept. I I was 
I was pretty much wide awake at three o'clock in the morning. And uh, so you'd get to sort of midday, early afternoon, <laughs> you'd be dead tired kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I, was, I just remember, I think that, that LA to New York, you, you, you'd lose more time again. And that just throws you way out compared to Australia. So because our time difference now is what two hours between Australia and uh, New Zealand at the moment. But um, yeah, it's a big one. Now, next on your list, one wing landings. Oh, one wing landings. Well, I think I've done three of them. Um, th- this was like a sort of like a one of those things that you've seen happen on the internet, thought it had never happened to you, but it has happened a few times, actually. <laughs> um, first time I had to do a one-wing landing, we're over in Australia for the um, IMAC Nationals. Uh, oh, actually, no, it wasn't the IMAC Nationals. It was the Queensland Challenge, which to this day has been one of the most awesome uh, competitions I've been to in Australia. So it was up in Queensland. It was at Coolum. Oh, yeah. Um, and it was in like August or late July. Now, I mean, June, July, August in New Zealand, the weather's just crap. But we went over to Australia and we got off the plane and we were straight into t shirts and shorts and jandals and 25 degrees. I mean, it was just wow. What a fantastic place and time of year to have a competition. Um, so we went to this um, Queensland Challenge, and uh, I was flying a Compaf, and we went up to Maryborough. Um, the, the day before, we'd got to Queensland, and was, we went out to the Coolum Field to practice, and there were about eight Kiwis with us, which was Really good because, I mean, I, I like going overseas, but it's great when you get to go overseas and there's a whole lot of other Kiwis that are coming there as well. And um, we had a Kiwi guy uh, called One Ken John. <laughs> That's not his real name, by the way. No, <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, One Ken John. <laughs> uh, anyway, he's from the South Island and he, he rocked up. To the Queensland Challenge. Now, look, I, at this stage, I've been to Australia many times, and uh, the Aussies didn't really realise that there were more Kiwis than just me, you know. And anyway, at the end of the practice day, one can John gets out there with his three meter two sixty, and he starts doing some freestyle shit, like inverted, two feet off the deck, and these Aussies are like going. Is that Bogan? And then they're looking around and no, there's there's Bogan drinking beer over there. Who's this guy? You know, I'm like, oh, that's one can John. That that was pretty cool. So anyway, that night I was like, right, guys, we, we, we we've got one more practice day. We need to go somewhere else. There's gonna be all these Aussies there. We're not gonna get enough flying time. Let's go up to Maryborough. So I, I'd figured out um some contacts and Yep, we're going to go to Maryborough. Anyway, so off we went. And we flew our asses off at Maryborough that day. They've got a great flying site up there. Um, 
and we had three flight lines going for practice. So we, we, you know, they've got like enough runways where you can have three flight lines all back to back. Um, anyway, I'm practicing some freestyle. I come roaring in and <laughs> right in front of myself, I pull full elevator into a wall and the wing on this 260 folds. I'm like, holy shit. And, and, and it had kind of pulled into like hover position as it folded. So naturally, I pour some power on, and the thing kind of just starts peeling off in towards the well, Australian jungle. I mean, like, what do you, what are those things you got over there? Gum trees, right? So this thing was heading into the gum trees. Oh, we're not going walking over there for it. So I start giving it some rudder. Oh shit! This thing's actually pretty responsive. The rudder, of course, the rudder's still working. So okay, all right, I've. I've got a hold of it, and I'm flying it in knife edge. Okay. Now, one can John, he he's practicing on the other flight line, and he's seen or heard what's happened, so he puts his model up really, really high so he can kind of, like, turn around on his shoulder and watch to see what's happening. <laughs> anyway, so I'm like, okay, well, I'm coming in for my first ever one-wing landing here. This could be interesting. So I brought it in knife edge, and then kind of slowed it up, and at the last minute, give it some aileron to roll it level and flared it out, and it just kind of, boom, dumped on the ground and taxied. And then the Kiwis went absolutely bananas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was like we won the World Cup. <laughs> <laughs> there's, a, there's a video. If you search Bogan's one-wing landing, you will you will find it on YouTube. Um, so what was really good, actually, was there was someone, um, Mick Dakers, had that same model, and I borrowed his wing panel for the rest of the event. That, that's the great thing about flying a compath is, you know, <laughs> I need a left-hand wing panel for a, for a teal taxi. Yep, and um, that's what we did. So that was my first ever one-wing landing. Um, second one flying an eg raven it was a prototype actually and i'd said to them man these wings need to be strong well they weren't strong enough and i was out practicing at a local flying field and it was of course it was blowing a crosswind so i had to come in on a on a full crosswind and manage to kind of dump it on the strip i i don't think i got away with it as much as i did on the first one um and then the third time i had to do it was at like an air show type thing and i was i did some snap roll and one wing folded and oh here we go again um yeah <laughs> actually now that i think about it i've had it happen four times <laughs> oh, i'm just watching it it is on on the internet phrases one wing landing yeah there you go heather martin m-a-r-d-o-n Oh, so that was number three, what you're seeing. That well, was when it was Warbirds over Awatato. Yeah, Awatoto. That was oh. like a like a Warbirds weekend. Gee, that was, yeah, that's a big plane too. Oh, yeah, it's a three-meter. Yeah. Broke the undercarriage on that. Yeah. I, I think the trick is you've got to come in fast when you're trying to do that one-wing landing. You've got to come in with some serious speed on because you need enough speed so that the ailerons work. The hard part is 
when you get on the ground, the, the model wants the ground loop. You, you're going to do some damage, but um, anyway, it's a bit of fun, you know, one-wing landing. Yeah. Fortunately, I've never had to uh, do one, but um, I think they're probably getting uh, – I think the planes nowadays are pretty strong. Oh, no, these guys in America, they're practicing their one-wing landings all the time. <laughs> are they? Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, well, uh, yeah, touch wood. Hopefully I don't have to do one because I don't like my chances and getting it back in one piece. That's why you should be practicing knife-edge circuits and stuff. Yep. Practice your knife-edge circuits. Yeah. So the, the last one that I had to do, this is number four, so I blew, the, I blew some wings up and during a snap roll, this is on one of our big extras, and I'm like, oh, shit. So I, I put it in knife edge, and I've I've got a hold of it, and I'm flying it around a knife edge, and once you've got it in that position, life is good. But then you've got to turn. So you're like, okay, so you're gently pushing on the elevator. You want to turn that thing around. Well, <laughs> what had happened was on this particular model, during the snap roll, when one wing let go, it actually took out the other stab. So I only had one stab half, and that stab half was the upside stab half, and, of course, there was nothing holding it on. So as soon as I started pushing around, yeah, gone. So then I just had one wing and no stab, and it just went straight into a flat spin. But it was really low and slow at the time, and I almost got away with it, yeah. So, <laughs> what what do you reckon is the number one move to snap the wings off? Oh, doing a wall. Yeah, doing a wall. I reckon there's a wall or the um, uh, blender. Elevator. The blender. A blender. You know oh, when you yeah, spiral blender. down and then snap into a flat spin? The blender is usually a good one for breaking the rudder off, actually. Young, yeah. um, my son, Jared, he did a blender and he, he blasted the whole rudder off on one of our models and he got a hold of it and he managed to bring it in. I'll tell you what, when you when you lose the rudder, that is a serious problem. Like you think, oh, yeah, no rudder. But on a big model with no rudder, when you come in and land, as soon as you touch down, if you can't straighten it up, that thing ground loops and flips over straight away. Mm. That's true. Yep, big That's problem. True. Okay, now um, some of my questions. Uh, now this is the last episode for the Flat Out RC podcast for the year. The Christmas special. The Christmas special. Uh, we'll be seeing Christmas carols shortly. Uh, looking back, twenty twenty one. What did you build? Did you build anything or or not? Oh, I'm building. I've been building this. I feel like I haven't really built that much, but actually, I have been quite busy. I've been building this biplane. It's an F three A biplane. We talked about it last time I was on, and I'm I'm nearly finished. I'm I'm so close to being finished. But you know what? I can't remember prior to that what it was that I was building. I, I built a hangar rat. Yeah, how about that? Mm. <laughs> you need one of those. Yeah. So yeah, no, I have I have actually been I have been pretty busy, and I do have more projects lined up. Do you think you'll make it to the? F3A world champs in Australia in a few years' time? Ooh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, you know. I'd love to be there, and, you know, it, it probably will happen. 
Um, we'll see. I'll get this biplane flying and and then we'll think about it. But you know, the shootout, the shootout's gonna happen as well. I love going to the shootout. It's it's a lot of fun. You do a you do a lot of flying over five days. So that that if, if that's gonna happen, it probably will take precedence. Yeah. And um how's Baldrick going, your dad? Baldrick is going very well. He he's had problems with his eyesight um, in the last year. So he went and spent a shitload of money and got eye surgery done. Um, and then that actually made, <laughs> made it worse. Oh, no. He can, he can, at the restaurant, he can read the menu without needing his glasses on, but he can't see his bloody iMac model roaring along at 100 metres. But I think he's got that sorted now with some um some glasses but he's been he's been um he's been building like i think he's got de havland fever so we've got this mosquito that he scratch built and um we're about to drop a pair of 100 inline da's into that thing right up from the 60s that it's got (laughs) yeah now He's also built um, a chipmunk. Oh, is uh, he? Yeah, it's like a 60cc, it's like a 2.5 meter, and he's been putting all the detail on it. I've seen some, fo- I've seen it in the flesh. I, I, we got out of lockdown. I was able to go over there a couple of weeks ago, and, and it looks really good. He's is got it, a, is, um, it a, is it not a super chipmunk, just the normal chipmunk? Yeah, it's a regular REF chipmunk with rivets. Mm. And um, so he's been he's been doing that. Sop with camel. He finished and it sat there for a year. We test flew his sop with camel a couple of months ago, and uh, that thing is really cool. It's a huge, big sop with camel. So we so we flew that. Um, and yeah, just a couple of weekends ago, we had one of our first IMAC competitions for the season. Bulldog was there, and. Um, he came third in sportsman. He had a great weekend. Gee, must be able to see the model. Yeah, no, he's. I think he's got that got that sorted. But you know, he went to his optometrist and complained. This is a long time ago. Complained that he couldn't see the plane, and the optometrist told him to build bigger planes. <laughs> so he did. <laughs> he did. <laughs> the uh, what's your go to model at the moment when you go for a fly? Ooh, I've been flying quite a bit of pattern lately simply because it's easy to pick it up and go, but I've got this DA35 powered pan ship that I just sort of I spent a bit of time a couple of months ago getting it getting it sorted. Um, so I've just been sort of test flying that and changing a few little things. There's a few guys keen on on DA35 powered uh, pan ships. Um, you know, I, I flew it Last weekend, I thought, wow, this thing is just awesome. Wow, look at it go. Petrol. I flew it for about seven or eight minutes. Then I landed. But let's take the lid off and we'll have a look, see how much fuel's in there. It only used one third of a tank. Yeah. Well, let's fly it again. We won't even bother filling it up. I set the timer for 13 minutes, (laughs) flew it in, landed, still had a third of a tank. (laughs) So I thought, man, this is just amazing. But then I put some methanol in my YS power pan ship, 
And, oh yeah, hang on a minute. This thing is just awesome. Yeah. I had um Scott K on the podcast and uh yeah, he's a dedicated YS man. Mm. He loves it. Yeah. I, I owe Scott K a couple of beers because the last time we had a trans Tasman, my engine shit itself. I need to do a bearing change the night before the trans Tasman. And Scott K, he was like, Oh yeah, broken old bloody, oh yeah, 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 yeah. And he had all the spare parts mm. and and we had a few beers there. And we, we needed to track down a heat gun because we needed to get the bearings out of this thing. So we found this guy in Tin Can Bay with a heat gun and we, we did the bearing change and ran it up at one o'clock in the morning. And <laughs> yep, away we go. Good to go. Yep. Yep. Perfect. Yeah, no, I, I did listen to I did listen to Scott's um podcast. It was a good one. Yeah. Now, the... have, have, now you know what when's that bloody Glen O Orchard? Glen oh, Orchard. Orchard. Oh, look. Glen Orchard, that, that name uh, is the name that has come up more than anybody else's name in, in this year. We should give him an award for the the person whose name gets mentioned more often than not who still refuses to come onto the podcast. Well, it's not really a refusal. Uh, I, uh, I keep on saying, come on, Glen O, come on to the uh, podcast. Everybody wants to hear your story. And he doesn't even actually write words anymore. He just sends me emojis, you know, that that laughing, crying uh, emoji, like, oh, this is going to be hilarious. It's like, yeah, so I don't even get a response from him. But no doubt you've got a story about Glen Orchard. Oh, which one do you want to hear? I mean, come on, where do we start? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> well, if he's not, he doesn't want, he doesn't come on. So, you know, and people want to hear about him. But, you know, no doubt you've got a story or three. Well, I, I mean, I, I heard, I heard that that you were calling him out on this podcast. So I, I sent him a message. I said, "Mate, you better get on that podcast and tell some stories about what you've been up to." Because if you don't, I'm going to tell some stories, and and here they come. Hmm. <laughs> so, so I went to the Bendigo Masters. I love that good trip to Australia. You know, you fly over on Thursday, you fly back on Monday. You have a really great time with the Aussies in Bendigo. Anyway. First year I ever went to Bendigo, I don't know, 2003, 2002. It was a long time ago. We were trying to get IMAC going, come on, Bogan, we need to get you over here and we want you to fly unlimited so I can watch you do it. Okay, great. So I went over. Anyway, Richo picked me up. He said, oh, we've had no rain for two years, Bogan. Really? No rain for two years? He says, but apparently we might get a bit of rain this weekend. <laughs> anyway, it absolutely chucked it down on Friday. Man, I've never seen rain like it. And um, the, one of the guys on Friday morning, he said to me, Bogan, did you see you were on the Kerry Ann Kennelly show? Um, I'm on the what? He goes, the Kerry Ann Kennelly show? I said, what are you talking about? Oh, don't you know the Kerry Ann Kennelly show? I said, mate, do you know the Holmes show? No. I said, well, I don't know the Kerry Ann Kennelly show. <laughs> yeah. He goes, well, you're the drought breaker. They had you on the Kerry Ann Kennelly show this morning, and apparently, thanks to you coming over here, the drought has broken. I'm like, okay, great. Anyway, sorry. I meet I meet Glen, o, Glen Orchard on, on the Friday. And uh, anyway, funny story had happened the day before. This was before the rain started. He, he'd rocked up to Bendigo and he had one of these Compath 2.6 meter yaks. This was all the rage back then in the early 2000s. And he 
he'd put a couple of DA fuel dots on the top of the model, you know, sort of yeah. howling, a lot of guys got the big bling DA fuel dot, you know, great. And and, and the, the petrol goes in the left one and the smoke goes in the right one. Anyway, well, Glenno hadn't fitted the smoke into his yak, but he proceeded to fuel it up through the smoke fuel dot. So, so he's got the smart, he's got the fuel tank hooked up there and he's on the fuel pump and the fuel's going in and people are standing around. What a nice yak you've got, Glenno. It's brand new. Yeah, it's brand new. Look at it. Anyway, next thing you know, fuel starts appearing down the tail wheel, dribbling out the rudder. Someone says, Glenno, you're leaking out the back. Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh no, no, no. So he, 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 <laughs> He pulls the <laughs> he pulls the fuel filler straight off the air, and he oh help me with the canopy, help me with the canopy, and he pulls the canopy off, and he lifts the whole model upside down by the wing tube, and petrol just absolutely just pours out all oh, over him, no. yeah. Oh. And as Richo said, he was in a total flat spin. <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. I wonder what happened to the model. So that was that was um so what we did was we got a vivid marker. Uh, yeah. Now you don't call it a vivid marker in Australia, you call it a texter. Yeah. So I'll call it a texter, you know what I'm talking about. We're a texter and we drew a line in his canopy. Fill to here. <laughs> that is great. Anyway, so, <laughs> So that, that that night he got the nickname Bunghole. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> then, then we're at the Bendigo Mass. It's been pissing down with rain all day, and there's there's a few guys. Um, Tony Driver. Oh, he's a crack up. I got so many stories about him. That's going to be next Christmas. Yeah. Anyway, so um, and Glenno and and a couple of other guys. Ah, oh, Bogan, we're we're, we're going to go out on the town in Bendigo tonight. You know, we're gonna we're gonna get on the piss. We're gonna have a good time. Are you coming with us? I said, oh, look, normally I'd be right in there, but, you know, this is my first trip to the Bendigo Masters. These Aussie guys have paid for me to come over. It might be fine tomorrow. So I'm sorry, guys, but, you know, I mean, that was like one of the big calls of my life to say, no, I'm not coming out. Well, sure enough, the next day the weather was perfect. All the rain had gone, and we could actually start doing some, some competition flying. But these four guys that went out, they went out till like five o'clock in the morning. One of them apparently did a nudie run through a um, campsite called the Golden Showers, I think. (laughs) And anyway, these four guys were sitting in this Holden Commodore, all with the doors all open, sitting out the sides, all creating their own little pavement pizzas. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm like going, well, I'm glad I didn't go out with you guys. <laughs> anyway, so then he got the nickname Chucky Bunghole. <laughs> oh, and I wonder who gave him that nickname. Oh, I have no idea. Yeah, yeah I wonder. I really wonder. <laughs> well, um, I'll tell you what, we could go for days with these stories because there's so many to tell. Uh, and, you know, we still haven't sang any Christmas carols, so we'll have to get to that shortly. But uh, if, if we looking forward, 2022, what do you hope to uh, 
to be able to do with your aero modeling in the next year? Okay, 2022. So summer flying season in New Zealand is literally just kicking off. I mean, the weather's only just got going in the last month. So we've got a lot of cool stuff on the horizon. We've got our model flying nationals, which is like six days of flying. You know, we do everything, pylon, IMAC, pattern, scale, free flight, glider, vintage, you know, we do everything in those six days. That's a really awesome social event. It, it should really be called the Model Flying Jamboree. So that starts on the 2nd of January. And then February, we have our biggest warbirds fly-in at Awatoto. That's Warbirds Awatoto. That's a really great rally. It's got to be one of the best rallies on the New Zealand modelling scene. Um, I'm booked in for Wanaka Air Show at Easter. So we'll do that. Um, yeah, no, there's um, there's a good summer of flying ahead of us, I think. Yeah, hopefully. Uh, you know, it's, I just can't wait to having, you know, that certainty around knowing that there's an event on and it's actually going to run because in the past two years it's been like, yeah, there's an event on, but is it actually going to happen? So it makes it hard to, uh, to organise anything. So I'm looking forward to... Uh, the Wangaratta Jets event, uh, get my jet out, Wangaratta on the airport there and have a fly. I'm really looking forward to that. Shepparton Mammoth, of course, in September um, and a few other local events that I would love to get to as well. So it's going to be good. I'm, I'm, things are looking up. As long as this next Omicron, 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 whatever the next strain is called, doesn't uh, scare people too too much, I think we're going to have a good year in the next year. Yeah, I think. I think we're I think we're in for a good year. Just got to think positively and just got to get out there and and do what you can. That's right. That's true. Now to end. Normally I ask this one question. You know, what's been your favourite model? But we've already done that with you. But oh, I'm going to take a slightly different path with it this time. What has been your favourite memory of 2021 when it comes to model flying? That's a question we've got noticed too. <laughs> this isn't this isn't pre planned. 2021, seriously, the whole COVID thing has just messed things up so much. I, I, you know, oh, uh, yep. Um, it's been the most messed up year. Uh, seriously, I, I, I mean, that's how blurred it's been. I, I, I just can't even think of one thing. And well, I'm trying and, to think of one as well. Uh, I suppose we can always say that doing the podcast episode with me has been a highlight of the year, no doubt. You know what? Okay, right. So at the start of 2021 was our last Nationals, and that was in January. This was in the time when we were kind of in this COVID holiday because we'd had our lockdown, and then we had our summer, and we had no actual lockdowns during that summer. We had our last Nationals in January as if COVID didn't even exist, and we had a fantastic week. Yeah. Um. And I flew a shitloads at that at that at that nationals. I flew pylon. Um, Stinky, a mate of mine called Stinky, was helping me fly pylon. We actually won pylon champion. I flew a shitload of pylon. So that I think I think the last nationals um, was probably a highlight for me. Well, that's a worthy winner, I think. Being able to go to that event, fly different things, uh, that kind of thing, for it actually happening. Yeah, I'd uh, I'd take that. Well, uh, Fraser, um, 
look, we're going to. I'm making an executive decision. We're skipping the carols because we probably can't sing. But uh, lovely to have you back on the podcast. Uh, Merry Christmas. Uh, are you having holidays over the Christmas period? Yeah, I'm. I'm my own boss. I'll. I'll knock off. Like you know, I, I might. I don't know if I'll work Christmas Eve, but probably maybe a, I'll do a half day on the twenty fourth. Um, but yeah, I'll. I'll knock off and. Um, and then we have Christmas at home. Um, as I say, we're out of lockdown. We can actually go and do family stuff. So that's really cool. And, um, yeah, middle of January, I'll be back into it. But between now and then, I'm out. It's raining at the moment. But the moment this rain stops flying, I'm I'm going flying. Yeah, sounds like a good plan. Well, all the best. Thank you. Congratulations for winning Podcast of the Year, the most listened to podcast for the year. And uh, we'll have you back because there's still more stories on your list that we have not covered. So we'll see you in 2022. Have a good one. See you guys. Thanks, everyone. About to leave. Already packing. Come with me. I'm not really asking. We'll get away to a place where we don't know. Another episode of the Flat Out RC podcast done. Another year done in the life of Flat Out RC. A big thank you to Fraser for joining me. Always a laugh. Always enjoy having a chat with Fraser. He will be back, as I mentioned earlier. Big thank you to everybody else that has been on the podcast. And for all of you that have listened, I really appreciate it because you could always choose to listen to somebody else and do something else, but uh, you choose to spend your time listening to this podcast. I love it, producing it. I really do. Uh, I will take a break throughout January, but I'll be back in February. I'll be organising guests and and trying to find some new topics and that kind of thing. Uh, And so I will be back. uh, And I'm looking forward to 2022 as far as my aero modelling goes. I know that we may not be restricted as much uh, with COVID, uh, which means that events should happen, be able to get out. Uh, Looking forward to some of the big events that will be happening my local area and i hope to attend them stay tuned to the flat out rc youtube channel because i've already planned to shoot some stuff over christmas because uh, i just enjoy doing that um and i'll have some time to do that break from work for a little bit uh but i know i'll be busy again in january but we'll take that break and we'll be back thank you once again Uh, a merry christmas to everyone happy new year wherever you are because i know that this podcast goes worldwide Really appreciate you joining me, as I said, and I wish you all the best for 2022, and we'll be back. We'll see you in February.